You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. You may be seated. I want to speak about the testing of your faith. Tell your neighbour your faith's going to be tested. Look here in James chapter 1. We're going to read James chapter 1. I'm going to read it to you from a few different translations. I like to do that. Whenever I'm studying to, to put a you know, sermon together, I always look in different translations because sometimes you see something from another translation that you didn't see before. So we'll start out with the NRV, New International Version. It says this, James 1 verse 2, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind. Because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature. Say mature. And complete. Say complete. Not lacking anything. Say lacking nothing. The New Living Translation says, When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect. Mature, complete, needing nothing. Now I read this, I'm like, Apostle Paul wrote this by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I'm like, Paul, are you serious? You want me to consider trouble as an opportunity to be greatly joyful. In fact, the message translation says, consider it a sheer gift. When tests and challenges come at you from all sides, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colours. See, we really find out where your faith is at when trouble comes, when trials come. So don't try get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work. So you become mature, well-developed and not deficient in any way. Consider it a sheer gift. What? When's the last time you had trouble come your way and you said, man, what a gift. You have some tribulation. Oh man, what a gift. What gift did you get me? I got you a trial. I can't wait to open it. What's going to be? What's inside? Struggle. Consider it pure joy when you face trials and tests. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith, the challenging of your faith produces endurance. It produces perseverance. You see, the enemy is after your faith. That's what every attack, every trouble, every trial, it's all about 
getting your faith from you. See, faith is like a muscle. Just like, you know, faith grows like similar to the muscles in your body. If you wanna develop the muscles in your body, first of all, you have to feed them. You have to eat the right kind of food, right? And then you have to exercise them. The way that your muscles grow is by placing resistance on them. It's called resistance training. I started, my dad took me to the gym when I was 12 years old. Now you'd think I'd look better after all these years <laughs> of going to the gym. But I learned that the more resistance I put on my muscles, the more they grow. Isn't that right? And do you know your faith is like a muscle? You feed it with the Word of God and then when resistance comes against your faith, like trials and troubles, and you stand strong, your faith gets stronger. Your endurance gets stronger. Are you with me so far? Count it all joy because you know that when your faith is tested, when your faith encounters resistance, your faith grows. Your faith develops perseverance, endurance. And as your perseverance and endurance grows, what happens is you become mature. You become complete. You come to the place where you lack nothing. In fact, you cannot reach maturity in the Lord without your faith being tested without going through some trials and some tests and some troubles and some difficulty, your faith cannot grow to maturity unless you encounter some tests and troubles because that's where your faith develops endurance. That's why you get joyful when the trial comes because I'm coming out of this with a stronger faith than I had before. I'm coming out of this more mature than I was before. Amen? In the Amplified Version of James chapter 1, it says, The testing of your faith produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. And let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking in nothing. It's a different way and a different perspective at looking at trouble and trials. The Passion Translation says, My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties. Can I tell you, I've been there. When it looks like I'm facing nothing but difficulties and troubles. Some people think America, oh, praise the Lord, I wish I'd go to America. It is much more difficult to build a church in America than it is in South Africa. That's in my, in my, in my experience. It's a whole different culture. It's a whole, there's, a, there's many blessings about living in America, but sometimes I kind of wish the Lord would have kept me in Cape Town. Because I face more tests and troubles in America than I ever faced here. It says, when it seems as though you're facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up in you the power of endurance. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release 
perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. So when that trouble and that trial comes my way and it seems like all I'm facing is difficulties and I keep my joy and I see this as an opportunity to have the greatest joy that I can because I know that as I, as I develop endurance, I'm coming out of this with nothing missing and nothing lacking with a stronger faith than I ever had before. Devil, you thought you'd try to mess with me. I'm stronger now than I ever was before. I'm coming out of this better and stronger than I was before. That's how you've got to view troubles and tests. How many people want to mature in the Lord? Wave your hand. Oh, how many of you want to mature in the Lord? Wave your hand at me. How many of you want your faith to be fully developed? You want strong faith, man, and move mountains. How many of you want your endurance to grow till there's nothing missing, nothing lacking in your life? Wave at me. Well, then you must remain joyful when your faith is tested. The test is all about your faith. The enemy's trying to steal your faith. Tell your neighbour, the enemy's after your faith. Don't be surprised when you go through fiery trials as though something strange is happening to you. A lot of times people encounter a trial, a test trouble, and they're like, I don't understand it, Pastor Steve. Why is this happening to me? Why well, didn't do anything wrong? No, you probably did something right. Look what it says in 1 Peter 4 verse 12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. The New Living Translation says, don't be surprised. Tell your neighbour, don't be surprised. At the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in His suffering, so you will have the wonderful joy of seeing His glory when it is revealed to all the world. The message translation. Friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Lord, where are you? What's going on? Don't you, don't you see what's happening to me? We think God left us. God's not on the job. It says, instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. The next chapter in 1, chapter, 1 Peter chapter 5 says this, verse 8. Be careful. Watch out for attacks from Satan, your great enemy. He prowls around like a hungry, roaring lion, looking for some victim to tear apart. Stand firm when he attacks and be strong in your faith. Trust the Lord and remember that other Christians all around the world are going through these same kind of sufferings too. Because sometimes when we face trouble, we think we're the only one. Lord, I understand. Poor old me, why me, Lord? Everybody faces trouble. Everybody, the enemy tries to attack them. It says in verse 10, after you've suffered a little, a little while, our God who is full of kindness through Christ will give you His eternal glory. He will personally, He, will, he personally will come and pick you up and set you firmly in place and make you stronger than ever. The Passion Bible, just verse nine, it says, take a de decisive stand against Him and resist his every attack with strong 
vigorous faith. For you know that your believing brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing the same kind of troubles that you endure. You see, everybody faces trouble. But you must resist the enemy's attack with strong, vigorous faith. How do you do that? You keep believing the Word of God. You keep declaring the Word of God. You keep acting like God's Word is true. You keep saying what God said. That's how you resist Him with strong, vigorous faith. When I have things come against me, trying to steal my joy, I think about all that the Apostle Paul went through. It encourages me to realise that what I'm facing is really not a big deal. Look what Paul went through. 2 Corinthians 11, what he, what, what he said. He said, I've worked harder. I've been put in prison more often. I've been whipped times without number. I faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish, leader gave, Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. When's the last time you got lashed 39 times for being a believer, for being a Christian? Anyone? Just wave your hand at me. Three times I was beaten with rods. Now, most of us, it wouldn't take three times. One time, that would be it. Once I was stoned to death, they left him for dead and they prayed over Paul and he got up. Because when the Jewish people stone you, they do a good job. These weren't little pebbles. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I've travelled on many long journeys. I've faced danger from rivers and, and robbers. I've faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I've faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, on the seas. I've faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. i worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry, thirsty. I've often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. When I think to myself, oh man, it's so difficult travelling. Flying on the aeroplane, staying at the Crystal Hotel on Gordon Bay Beach. I'm like, come on. Think about what the Apostle Paul went through for preaching the gospel. And you know what the Apostle Paul said after all that? 2 Corinthians 7 4, I am overwhelmed with joy. Despite all my troubles, I'm overwhelmed with joy. Despite all my troubles. Do you know that the Apostle Paul wrote most of the scriptures from a prison cell? He wasn't in the Crystal Bay Hotel. He was in a prison cell. Paul the Apostle proves that you can keep your joy no matter what you face, no matter what comes against you. Because joy is what gets you through those times. Joy is what gives you strength. Nehemiah 8.10, Do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Let me tell you, in the tough times, you need your joy. It's what gives you strength. That's why the enemy is trying to steal your joy. Philippians 4 verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Have you ever wondered what it means to rejoice in the Lord? The New Living Translation says, Always be full of the joy. Always be full of joy in the Lord. See, rejoicing is being full of joy. The more you rejoice in the Lord, the more joy you're going to have. The Passion Bible says, Be cheerful with joyful celebration in every season of life. 
Don't be full of joy just in the good seasons. Be full of joy in every season. Let joy overflow, for you are united with the Anointed One. Let joy overflow. Why? Because you're united with the Anointed One. You're united, united with Jesus. Jesus is with you wherever you go. And He's the one who protects you, delivers you, provides for you, heals you. That's why you can have joy no matter what you face. Goes on to say in Philippians 4 verse 6, don't worry about anything. You can't be full of joy and full of worry at the same time. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank Him for His answers. And if you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. How many trust in Christ Jesus? Wave your hand at me if your trust is in Christ Jesus. Well, when you trust in Christ Jesus, you're going to rejoice always. You're going to be full of the joy of the joy of the Lord. You're going to count it all joy when trouble comes your way because you trust in Christ Jesus. Amen. It's interesting that the Apostle Paul never prayed for people to be delivered from their problems. He never prayed for them to be delivered from their problems. He prayed that God would give them strength to go through them with a great attitude and full of joy. Here's the question. Are you letting insignificant things steal your joy? Got to keep it in perspective. It's not worth losing your joy over. Don't let small insignificant things keep you from seeing the gift of today and being full of the joy of the Lord. In Habakkuk 3 verse 17, it says, Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, and even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, and even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, what am I going to do? Am I going to get depressed? Am I going to complain? Am I going to feel sorry for myself? No. The next verse says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. See, what he's saying is, man, everything's come against me. I've had these bad breaks. Business is down. My income is low. Surely that's a reason for me to be discouraged. But his attitude was, I'm not giving away my joy. I'm going to rejoice in the God of my salvation. You see, salvation means deliverance. It goes on to say, I will rejoice because of the Lord. I will be happy because of the God who delivers me. Even when the fields are barren, there's no fruit on the trees, there's no blossoms, the flocks are dying. I will be happy because of the God who delivers me. In fact, the message translation says, I'm singing joyful praise to God. I'm turning cartwheels of joy to my Saviour God. I'm counting on God's rule to prevail in my life. You see, when, when we stay full of joy, despite what comes against us, God says salvation's coming, deliverance is coming, turnarounds are coming, healing is coming, increase is coming, victory is coming. That's why. The Apostle James said, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. I remember many years ago, 
when uh, Dr. Jerry Savelle, do you know who Dr. Jerry Savelle is? He came to South Africa for the first time back in the, in the, in the early 80s and he preached a message called, if Satan can't steal your joy, he can't keep your goods. That's what it says in Hebrews chapter 10. Here's the Passion Translation, verse 32. Don't you remember those days right after the light shined in your hearts? You endured a great marathon season of suffering, hardship, but you stood your ground. How many of you know when, when you came to the Lord, when you received Jesus in your life, the fight began? Because the enemy is trying to steal your faith. He's trying to get you to turn away from the Lord. Why? Because you're a threat to the enemy. You are a threat to him. And verse 33, at times you were publicly and shamefully treated, being persecuted for your faith. It's all about the faith. It's all about your faith. That persecution that's coming against you, it's because of your faith. Then at other times you stood side by side with those who preached the message of hope. You sympathised with those in prison. When all your belongings were confiscated, you accepted that violation with joy. Convinced that you possess a treasure growing in heaven that could never be taken from you. So don't lose your bold, courageous faith. Tell your neighbour, don't lose your bold faith. Don't let go of your bold faith. For you are destined for a great reward. Say, I'm destined for a great reward. You need strength of endurance to reveal the poetry of God's will. And then you receive the promise in full. For soon and very soon, say soon, very soon, the one who is appearing will come without delay. And he also says, my righteous ones will live from my faith. But if fear holds them back, my soul is not content with them. See, it's all about our faith. The enemy is after our faith. But when we remain joyful, then Satan cannot keep what he stole from you because joy is an attitude of faith that allows God to work mightily in your life and restore to you what the enemy's stolen. And when God restores, He never restores like it was before. He always restores more. He always puts you, you come out better than what you were before. Amen. Jeremiah 33 verse 11 says this, the voice of joy, the voice of joy and the voice of gladness and the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride who will say, praise the Lord of hosts for the Lord is good for His mercy endures forever. And of those who will bring sacrifices of praise into the house of the Lord, for I will cause the captives of the land to return as at the first, says the Lord. The New Living Translation says, I will restore the prosperity of this land to what it was in the past. And the Living Bible says, I will make this land happier and more prosperous than it has ever been before. You see, when we remain joyful, even in the midst of your worst 
onslaught from the enemy, you can expect Jeremiah 33 verse 11. God will see to it that whatever was taken from you will be restored to you many times over. Satan is a thief. He's trying to steal your joy. He's trying to steal your faith. He's trying to steal your money. He's trying to steal your health. He's trying to steal relationships. But if you will not allow His attack to rob you of your joy, and if you will resist Him with strong, vigorous faith, then He must return what He stole sevenfold. He must return to you. So keep your joy. Tell your neighbour, keep your joy. That's what makes you strong. And you demonstrate great faith when you remain joyful. And that's what allows God to work and do amazing miracles in your life. We can see this when when the Apostle Paul and Silas were thrown into jail. They sat with their feet in the stocks in a Philippian jail cell, in the worst part, in the dungeon. Their legal rights had been violated. They'd been arrested without a trial. They had been beaten. But what happened at midnight, when it seems the darkest? What did they do? Did they complain? Did they moan? Feel sorry for themselves? Why me, oh God, why is this happening to me? No, the Bible says they begin to sing praise loudly. The prisoners were all listening to them. They rejoiced in the Lord. They stayed full of joy and a miracle happened. A breakthrough happened. God shook that prison and all the prison doors flew open and all the chains fell off and they were released that night after getting the jailer saved and baptising him and his whole family. I'm asking you to keep your joy no matter what happens because life will throw you some curves. There will be disappointments. There will be things happen that are not fair. Life's not always fair, but the Lord is good. That's when you've got to say like Habakkuk, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful today. No matter what difficulties I face, I'm going to stay joyful in the Lord. Today's the day the Lord has made and I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to be glad in it no matter what. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 says, All praise to God. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with His comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble that we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed. We were overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. We thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and we learned to rely only on God. Can I tell you all the trouble that I've faced in my life? It has helped me to rely only on God. And He did rescue us from mortal danger and He will rescue us again. 
We have placed our confidence in Him and He will continue to rescue us and you are helping us by praying for us. Now I told you this morning how that, you know, recently one of the challenges to test to my faith was when a, a building that we'd bought in 2018 and when uh, we just we experienced some, some financial difficulty. You ever experienced financial difficulty in your life? A mother, only one. Anyone here faced any financial challenges in your life? And the next thing, the, the man who we bought the building from, he, 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 was, he financed it and he called up the loan, $3 million, and, and uh, he, he started charging us this default interest. Our interest rate went from 5% to 24. Instead of paying 12,500 a month, we were paying $60,000 a month. It's almost a million rand, over a million rand a month. And uh, the enemy told me, man, this is it for you. That's not the first time he's told me that. He's told me that many times. It's over for you. I said, devil, you're a liar. God, I'm coming out of this better than ever was before. God's going to take what was meant for my harm. He's going to turn it around for my good. We sold that building. The Lord told me, sell it. We sold it in two weeks for $1.1 million more than we'd paid for it. And I'm telling you right now, the next time I see you, I'm going to tell you about our new building that's debt-free. God's given us a debt-free building. Amen. I believe that God makes all things work for our good. I believe God is the way maker and He's the miracle worker. He makes a way where there is no way. You know, it's easy to have faith when everything's going great. But we find out what kind of faith you really have when you face trouble. Romans 8 verse 28. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. Say, God causes everything to work for my good. Say it like you believe it. God causes everything to work for my good. Whenever I face trouble, I always say, Lord, you cause everything to work for my good. The Living Bible says, all that happens to us is working for our good. If we love God and are fitting in His plans. Say, everything that happens to me is working for my good. Now, Joseph, one of my favourite characters in the Bible, he's an amazing example of perseverance. I mean, you talk about going through some trouble. His story begins when he was 17 years old. God gave him a dream. Do you know God will speak to you and give you dreams for your future when you're a teenager? When I was 16 years old, the Lord gave me a vision for my life. We've got to fight to reach this, reach this young generation. Do you know statistics tell us that 80% of people who are followers of Jesus made that decision before the age of 18? What was Joseph's dream? He dreamt that he and his 11 brothers were out in the field and they were tying up bundles of grain and suddenly his bundle of grain stood up and all of his brother's bundle of grains bowed down to his bundle of grain. And he went and told his brothers, hey guys, I had a dream, man. It was epic, man. You all bowing down to me. How many of you know you can't tell everybody your dreams? His brothers were furious. They already hated him because he was his father's favourite. But now they hated him even more. And they plot to kill him. But Reuben, the oldest brother, he says, no, 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 let's not kill him. Let's throw him into this pit in the wilderness 
Reuben planned on coming back to rescue him later. So they stripped Joseph of his coat of many covers that his father had given him and they threw him into a pit. Then they saw a caravan of camels coming. It was a group of Islamite traders and they were, they were going to Egypt. And so Judah said, why don't we sell Joseph to them? So they did. When you read the Bible, you know what you find out? Your family is not as dysfunctional as you thought. My family's actually not so bad. Joseph ends up in Potiphar's house in Egypt. Potiphar was a member, uh, he was a personal staff of Pharaoh. He was captain of, of the God, the Pharaoh's bodyguard. And Joseph, God gave Joseph favour with Potiphar. And, and he was promoted. He was put in charge of Potiphar's entire household. But not only did Joseph have favour with Potiphar, he had favour with Mrs. Potiphar. The Bible says Joseph was very handsome. He was well built. And Mrs. Potiphar wanted Joseph. She wanted to sleep with him. Joseph kept refusing her many advances until finally he has to run out the room as she tears his clothes from him. She accuses him of trying to rape her. And Potiphar believes his wife. Joseph gets thrown into prison. He ends up in the wrong place for doing the right thing. Could it be possible that sometimes ending up in the wrong place is not an indication that you're outside of God's will? Could it be possible that it's the very indication that you're right in the centre of God's will? Many men of God are falsely accused. Jesus was falsely accused. Let me tell you one thing. I encourage you, don't listen to gossip about men and women of God. Let the Lord deal with it. I'm not their judge. God's their judge. They may be doing wrong, but that's, that's between them and God. Joseph gets in prison once again. God is with him. God gives him favour. He's promoted to right beneath the, the, the warden. And one day... Pharaoh's butler and baker are thrown into jail. They both had a dream and Joseph interprets their dream. He told the butler, within three days, Pharaoh's going to restore you to your position. And he said, please remember me. Mention me to Pharaoh. He told the baker, within three days, you're going to be hanged. And both things happened. But the butler, when he was released, he forgot all about Joseph. Two years later, Pharaoh has a dream and nobody can interpret the dream. And the butler remembers Joseph and he tells Pharaoh about Joseph. So Pharaoh calls for Joseph. Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dream, tells him there's going to be seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. He advises him to store up during the years of plenty. And Pharaoh's amazed and he promotes Joseph to be the prime minister over all of Egypt. The world power at that time. And sure enough, the famine comes. It affects the entire world. It even hits Joseph's family living in Canaan. And they are forced, his brothers are forced to go to Egypt to try and find food. And they are brought before Joseph. This is 13 years later. And they bow before him just like he saw in his dream but they didn't recognise him. 
And everything Joseph went through, all the trouble, all the persecution, his brothers sold him as a slave. They stood before him and look what he says. You talk about a good attitude. In Genesis 45, it says this. Joseph could no longer control himself before his attendants. And he cried out, he said, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him. And Pharaoh's household heard about it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified. <laughs> I bet they were. Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I'm your brother Joseph. I'm the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land and for the next five years, there will be no plowing and no reaping. But again, God sent me ahead of you to preserve you as a remnant on the earth and save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God who sent me here. He made me a father to Pharaoh, Lord of the entire household and ruler of all Egypt. So here's the question. Was he sold or was he sent? Was he sold or was he sent? Joseph goes on in Genesis 50, verse 20. And I'm gonna close with this. As far as I'm concerned, God turned into good what you meant for evil. He brought me to this high position that I have today so I could save the lives of many people. I believe the same is true for you. I believe the same is true for me. I believe the same is true for this church, that God takes what was meant for our evil and He turns it for our good. He makes everything work together for our good. I believe in the Name of Jesus, our church, we coming out of it stronger and bigger and better. I believe we coming out of this with a debt-free building in the Name of Jesus. In fact, the Lord showed me that we're gonna do mass crusades. Mass crusades. Whenever you face trials, Whenever you face trouble, any kind, when tests, when challenges come, seems like from all sides, what do you do? Count it all joy. Oh, here's an opportunity to get joyful, man. Oh, this is sheer gift, man. See it as an opportunity to have the greatest joy that you can ever have because you know your faith being tested, but let you know it's producing endurance, it's producing perseverance. And as your endurance grows stronger, your faith gets stronger, it's gonna, release, it's gonna release perfection into every part of your being until there's nothing missing, until there's nothing lacking, until you mature, until you complete, lacking nothing in the Name of Jesus. Can you say Amen, somebody? Shout it out, say, I count all joy. I consider it an opportunity for great joy. Say, I consider it a sheer gift whenever I face trouble, whenever I face difficulty, because my faith is growing. I am maturing. My endurance is growing. I'm gonna let it keep on growing until there's nothing missing. There's nothing lacking in my life. Say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Say, God causes everything to work for my good. 
I resist every attack of the enemy with strong, vigorous faith. No matter what happens, I'm gonna keep on speaking victory in the Name of Jesus. I'm coming out of this better than I was before, saturated with the goodness of God. In Jesus' Name, Amen. That's what I do when troubles come my way. Do you get something out of this tonight? Come on, give God praise tonight. Give Him praise tonight. 